Okay, people. So it is that time again. You ready for this week's Echo Chamber? All right. So as we do, we're going to start off with the UK Cinema Box Office Top 10 for the weekend of the 18th to the 20th of November. At number 10 this week, people, it's one of those... uh, you know, theater productions that air in the cinema, right? It's Matthew Bourne's Nutcracker. At number 10 is, um, ooh, I think it's a Bollywood film, right? Drishyam 2, right? Directed by Abhishek Papak. Um, Written by Amil Kian Khan. Yeah, I mean, I have no clue, right? Um, at number t- eight is a Polish film. Hmm, I think it's a Christmas film, right? It's Listy Do M3, right? Um, it's a short, but yeah, I know Tomas Kuneki directs Marcin Bajniski and Maurice Kuzwicki write the piece. Okay, which means at number seven is After Sun. So this is written and directed by Charlotte Wells. It is starring Paul Mescal, Frankie Corio, Cecilia Rowson Hall, Kaylee Coleman, Sally Mesham, Harry Pedirus, Ethan Smith, Ruby Thompson, and Brooklyn Tolson. At number six is um, Martin McDonald's The Banshee of Insurin. Yes, that's correct. Colin Farrell, Brendan Gleeson, Kerry Condon, Barry Keogh, Pat Short, Gary Lydon, David Purse, Sheila Fitton, John Kenny, and Bridney Nichton. So, we are now in our top Five at number five is living. Okay, so um, this is from Oliver Humanus, right? And it's an adaptation of Ikuro, a 1952 film, right? Um, written by Kazuro Ishiguro. Hmm. Starring Bill Nye, Amy Lou Wood, Alex Sharp, Adrian Rawlings, Hubert Burton, Oliver Chris, Michael Cochran. At number four, people, we have got Black Adam, directed by Jamu Colletsera, uh, Sabra Noshvini. Uh, Rory Hines and Adam Schritzko wrote the piece. 
Dwayne Johnson, Viola Davis, Sarah Stashi, Pierce Bronson, Adias Hosh, Noah Centino are um, all up in it. Number three is Lyle Lyle Crocodile, right? Based on the comics from Bernard Wapper. It's, it's written by Will Davis, directed by Josh Gordon and Will Speck, Constant Wu, Javier Bardoon, Scoot McNeary, Brett Gailman, uh, Sean Mendes, Winslow Fegley, Sal Viscuro, all um, adding their voices to the piece. At number two is the menu. This is from Mark Mylod. Um, written by Will Tracy and Seth Reyes. Starring Anna Taylor-Joy, Ralph Fiennes, Nicholas Holt, Janet McTeer, John Legis, Amy Carrero, Judith Light, um, Hong Chao, Robbie Yang, which means at number one, people, I mean, right? It's Black Panther Wakanda forever. Ryan Coogler is back in the director's chair. He co-wrote with Joe Robert Cole. It's starring um, Angela Bassett, Danny Garia, Latia Wright, Lapita Nungoro, uh, Martin Freeman, Tenesh Hereta, Lake Bell, Florence Kasumba, Michaela Cole, Dominic Fawn, Winston Duke, Richard Skiff. Woo! It is an awesome cast. And Kamara Usman makes his acting debut. Right? So um, it's kind of fire. Right, that's the top 10. We've got five films this week. So I feel let's get it popping, shall we? Okay, people. So we're going to start things off with a prime original. It's the people we hate at the wedding. Well, I, uh, yeah, for whatever reason, I checked out the people we hate at the wedding. Right? I saw it had Kristen Bell in it, uh, Alison Janney, Cynthia Ade Robinson. And I was like, okay, this could be, you know what I mean? I might be surprised. So, yeah. That's what I did. It is uh, directed by Claire Scanlon, written by Lizzie Molyneux Logelin and Wendy Molyneux. And it is an adaptation of the book by the same name from Grant Jinder. Uh, it is produced by. Ashley Fox and Margaret Hand. Executive produced by Ben Browning, Alison Cohen, Christos V. Constacopoulos, Milan P. 
Popolka uh, and Lime produced by Louise Killen and Marina Stabile. Music is from Tom Hull. Oliver Stapleton handles the cinematography. It's edited by Wendy Green Brycompt. Uh, Theo Park handled the casting. Production design is Jane Muskie. Art decoration, John McHugh and Erin Cheyenne Smith. Set decoration, Kimberly Horsey. Costume design, Anne Harding. And our cast, well, as mentioned, we have got uh, Alison Janney as Donna, the mother, her three children. We've got Eloise, played by Cynthia Ade Robinson. We have got Alice, played by Kirsten Bell, and Paul, played by Ben Platt. Uh, young Eloise is played by Mila K. Kemba. Young Alice, Lexi Janik, and young Paul Jackson Goldenberg. Um, there is Enrique, Donna's first husband, played by Isaac de Bancol. And then Bill, her second husband, played by Andy Daly. Uh, we've got Helen, played by Emma Davis. Jonathan, Alice's boss. And Love Interest, maybe? Played by Jonah Tacon. Um... Then there is Dennis, played by Dustin Milligan. Um, another love interest. Okay, so Paul, he has a boyfriend, played by Karen Sonny. Uh, I guess there's Lisbeth, played by Judith Amasanga. Um, Crosby, played by Jesus Rivers Ortez, Preston, Greg Barnett, Russell, played by Randall Park, Dallas, played by Pedro Minas, um, Marissa, played by Lizzie Kaplan, and that is Jonathan's wife. Mm-hmm. Um, Allcott, played by Julian Ovenden. Um, Ollie, who Eloise is marrying, played by John Macmillan. Uh, yeah, I kind of feel that's, that, yeah, that's the main group. Uh, I guess there's Eloise's friends. Um, Daniela, played by Davina Moon. Moffy, played by Emily Lloyd Sani. Mimsy, played by Jemima Roper. Bits, played by Annie McGrath. And the boat captain is played by Benedict Wolf. 
So, um, yes, there you go. And, oh, yes, Eloise is, no, Ollie's mother is Marjorie, played by Sandra James Young. Um, yeah, and I think her husband was Frederick, played by Mark Kitto. I believe that's correct. Okie dokie. So, um, the gist of the film, right? So, dysfunctional American siblings, Alice and Paul, along with their ever-optimistic mum, are invited to the British wedding of their estranged half-sister, Eloise, as a chance for them to reconnect as more or less adults and learn to love each other like they once did. So, yeah. That's the gist of the film. Now, boy, I don't even know what the fuck to say about this, right? I like to try and be optimistic and try and find the positives of things that I might not even like, right? This, I hated it so much. <laughs> it was just, oh, it irritated the fuck out of me now i kind of think if you enjoyed falling for christmas it's probably along the same lines as that right um there's a host of other films which are kind of similar i think it, it, it's just one of those ones where finally right, they, they were like okay we're gonna base it in england for a, a, the majority of the film but we're going to have every English person talk with these weird affectations, right? And then, you know, obviously we'll mention scones and tea and, you know, what I mean? it's just that lazy, real fucking lazy attempt at showing a different country. And it's just bad. Just that, like, they'll show all the, you know, known places, but when the characters are going somewhere, you're kind of like, eh, I mean, I don't know if they go past any of those spots. Like, what, or why are they showing us this? This is no relevance to the film. It is just one of those. Then we have these scenarios that never really make any sense, right? So Alice and Paul hate Eloise. And it's just like, what's the real reason? Like, what's the reason? And everything that's all often, like, thrown up, you're just like, I mean, that's not really a reason. You know what I mean? Like, it all basically boils down to a lack of communication. And uh, it's just tiring. Because it's just, it feels so lazy in the writing, right? It's just like, look, you can have estranged. You can do all of this stuff. But there's plenty of better hooks, right? This kind of shit, we've seen it all before. It's just oh, so trite, right? And, and the thing being, you, you have, like... Them wanting to hate, but the re like, oh, 
they upgrade my hotel room. What an asshole. Right? Oh, I'm going to order all the food on the menu and charge it to her there. Just like, like, come on. Like, just come. What are we doing? Oh, it's the, you know, like the, the, the affair situation. Again, so transparent. Like, you can see where that storyline is going. As soon as it happens, you're just like, okay, okie dokie. This weird scene in her boss's off office, not with her and her boss, with someone else, and just like, I mean, it it's ridiculous. It's stupid. It's not even funny. That's the thing. If it was just like crazy, hilarious, crude, who'd be like, okay, I can get down with that. Not even funny. Not funny. Just these weak scenarios that are meant, they're meant to be, you know, engaged, but they just, they're just not. Right? These whole free, there's this threesome thing, which as soon as you see it, you go, okay. So in the film, there's going to be a, and there was, right? It's just so transparent. Like, you know what's going to happen with the parents, what's going to happen with the siblings, what's, like, everything. Every single thing. And then, when everyone makes up, it's just, like, there's things that have been said and done that you're just, like, you can't really come back from that. But it's just, like, oh, let's all forget. It's just, like, what the fuck? Like, even if one person is going to be like, I, I forgive you, the others should just be so shamed that they did any of the bullshit in the first place. You feel me? It's just, ugh. I, yeah, I, it just irritated me. And then as in the credits, we have, well, no, it's not at the very end of the film. It's like one year later, right? Now, some of the shit that happens supposedly one year later is just like, that's super fast for that process to have happened, right? It's just like, like, what the fuck? Come on, that does not happen that quickly. What are we doing? This is ridiculous, you know what I mean? And then also, one year later, they really wanted to do, like, hey, I know. You know, just forcing all of these weird things. It's just, yeah, that's it. I'm done. <laughs> but you, you know what I mean? Listen, listen. If you like films like Falling for Christmas, Chalet Girl, you know, the later Bridget Jones films, just all manner of the, think of any um, J-Lo film, right? If that's your bag, that's all good, man. That's all good. You know what I mean? Like, it, we don't all have to like the same thing. And I think if that's your bag, you will like this film. Right? But, yeah. Not not my cup of tea. <laughs> not, not my cup of tea. Just, there's no chemistry behind, between anyone just 
none whatsoever. You you can't buy into any single fucking relationship. Just none of them. Like it's like everyone decided, you know what? Yeah, I'm just gonna phone this one in. I'm not really feeling it. I'm really not gonna put any effort into uh, acting for this one. Yeah, I'll just turn up and read some lines. Now I'm sure. I'm sure they didn't actually say that, but that's what it felt like. That's what it felt like, people. But the people we hate at the wedding, it's on Prime Video. So listen, you don't have to listen to me. Go check it out if it if it might be your thing. All right, and if it is, enjoy. Enjoy, people. Yo, so next up is another Prime original. It is Meat Cubes. Okay, people, so checked out a new... um film on Prime called Meet Q, right? So this is from director Alex Lehman and written by Noga Prueli. Supposedly, right, this film was on the 2018 blacklist, right? That supposed list of unmade films that with scripts that are so great that then studios supposedly vie to buy them which so many of those films right we hear about oh, it was on the blacklist and then when they finally get made it's just like wait that was on the blacklist you know what I mean you know what I mean yeah well, um, yeah, this is produced by Akiva Goldsman, um, Santosh Govadraji, uh, Gregory Lazons, as well as Dan Reardon. It is executive produced by Blair Ward. Caddy Vanscarilli, uh, Jonathan Taylor, Martin Sprock, Galen Smith, Sarah Shack, Dana Sano, Art Robinson, um, Brian O'Shea, Nat McCormick, Matthew Smith Lines. Monty Lipman, Julie Kroll, Ryan R. Johnson, Ali Jazayiri, David Gendron, Simon Fawcett, Anders Erdine, Mark Adanen, Lauren Case, it's a lot of people. <laughs> Noga Pirelli also. And then the two stars of the film. 
Kaylee Cuckoo and Pete Davidson. That's a lot of fucking people, man. It's uh, a little insane. And Rayanna Satchel line produces. Music is handled by Stephen Lukacs. John Matizic handles cinematography. Christopher Donlan edits the film. Amy Rene handles casting. Laura Miller, production design. Mary-Kate Golding, set decoration. Michelle J. Lee, costume design. Hair and makeup, Amy Stute. Aaron Saucer. Alison McPherson and Jennifer Jennifer Jefferson. Our cast. We've got Kaylee Cuckoo as Sheila. Pete Davidson as Gary. Kevin Corrigan plays Phil. He's a barman who we repeatedly see. Deborah S. Craig is June. She works at the Nail Salon. And um, she is our time machine gatekeeper, as it were. Um, hmm, other people that come up, uh, there's Amit, works at the Indian restaurant, played by Rock Cooley, we've got Chai, Chai, played by Harry Neff, um, Chai works at the... I think she serves the ice cream, maybe. I'm not quite sure. Uh, There's Sandra, played by Sierra Fisk. Who I think is Sheila's mum in the past. There's Gertrude, played by Rebecca Shul. Um, Ethel, played by Pat Bowie. Uh, Tatiana, played by Josie Serrano, who's, yeah, that's very odd. That's a very odd one. Uh, We see younger versions of Gary. Um, The teenage version is played by Andrew Stevens Purdy. And the young one is played by Wesley Holloway. We also see a young version of Sheila, played by Mia Matisk. And, um, yeah, that's about it. Right, so the gist of the flick is... When Sheila and Gary meet its love at first sight, until we realise their magical date wasn't fate at all. Sheila's got a time machine, and they've been falling in love over and over again. But when the perfect night is never quite enough, Sheila travels to Gary's past to change him into the perfect man. So, uh, yes, there you go, people. There you go. So, this... It's like there's an idea here, right? There's an idea here. But there's so many things that don't really make any sense. They don't make any sense, 
right? It, it, it's just like, so we find out something about Sheila, like which she wanted to do on this day. And you're like, okay, right. But why? You know what I mean? It's just like we just, I've had a bad day, but it's just like, but why? Right? What was the thing? Because the big thing is, it's like I'm repeating this day because it's the best day I've had. But then there's no thought of what about the next day? Right? If that's the best day, why not try and continue it the next day? Right? That's the big thing that makes no real sense here, right? There's no explanation on why she won't take it forward. You know what I mean? It's just like, wait, what are we? What are we doing now? Yes, there are these constraints on the time machine itself, but when you know, right? Because she must know where Gary lives. Or that's easy to find out. Or you just go back to the same bar. You know what I mean? There's several things you could do there. But the thing being, if if you meet and you fall in love, supposedly, or you just connect, right? You connect. Which this means if you talk again the next day, that's going to happen. Right? That's going to happen. So you then just play it there and then boom, you're done. But it's not really explained. And then the other thing is the same thing gets done over and over and over again. Right? And when you're seeing that the things you're saying are making the date go weird, why would you continue to say it? Right? That's the thing that makes no... Like, she's the one pushing the date in these directions. So you think, surely go to a different restaurant, right? Stop saying you're traveling in time, right? Stop saying I was going to do this here. Like, stop saying it, right? It's a fucking simple as that. Because every time you, you do these things, it's making it weird, which then makes you wonder, right? Here's the big thing. And again, not explained. Because she's like, this is the best day of my life. Right? So what did they, what did she say on that first day? Because if it's the best day, right? Obviously, she didn't say some of the things that she says on the, on the following ones, because we wouldn't have him walk off. Right? So it's just like, if the, on the original date these things weren't said, why the fuck are you saying them? Right? It, just, it doesn't make any sense when you break it down. Right? And that's just a little fault. <laughs> you know what I mean? Even when you're not really thinking, it still makes no sense. Right? The thing makes no sense. Right? The, the notion that, well, the notion of the time machine and the fact that June would keep him, like, why would June tell her 
You understand? Is this just like if you got this thing in back, why aren't you telling all the customers? Right? Why? Oh, you decided to tell this one. Like, makes no sense. Makes no sense. You know what I mean? That's that's the problem here. There's these things that you're just like, well, what? The whole car road back thing, right? Why? Right? There's no explanation on that. It's just like, why? Or why not talk? You know what I mean? It's like, I kind of feel it is one of those things where they're like, oh, yeah, that would be edgy if we do this thing. But again, makes no sense. Right. And listen, I say it makes no sense. Now, obviously, you could be like, well, actually, Kevin, um, you know, the, that is done because blah, blah, blah. I mean, like, obviously, you know why it's done in the story. But when you think about it, there's no fucking real logic to it. There's none. It's dumb. It's stupid. Yeah. And, you know, I will say, right, Pete Davidson can be very annoying in films. I say annoying, right? I just didn't really feel that his acting was that great. But I will say this. I think this is probably the best performance we've seen from him. I definitely feel that. Now, I haven't seen the, um, the film that Bill Burr did with him. Uh, King of Long Island or King of Saturn Island, something like that, right? I haven't seen. So maybe that is the best performance. I don't know. But this, from what I've seen, I feel this is like his, his most solid, less irritating performances. So that is a bright spark of the film. Kaylee Kuko, though, Kind of felt very performative, right? You know when you watch a play, right? You go watch a play and it, it doesn't really feel like a, a, a production, a story that's taking place. It just feels more like they're talking at you, right? Her performance was just like kind of, look at me. Oh, I'm quirky here. Look, I'm quirky here. Oh, I'm being quirky here. You know, that's what it was. Rather than this girl talking, like, it, it just didn't, didn't feel natural, right? Didn't feel like, you know, this real chemistry between her and Davidson or anything like that. It, it felt very forced. Very forced. Because you're, you're having these things said and... You know, it's just like, but why would they say that, right? Some of the conversations they are having on this first date, you're just like, uh, I don't know if people really, for the most part, drop all of that shit on the first fucking date. You know what I mean? Right? And that's what's always weird about these films, man. The, like, the conversations, they're not actual, real, honest conversations, right? It's just like, oh, yeah. This will be something, right? Oh, have them talk about this, right? And then we can do this. It's just like, 
a, a normal conversation would be cool. You know what I mean? That works, right? That that's interesting enough, but they don't want to do that. You know? Yeah. And then we get this ending, which it's hard to buy when the thing up to that point was, you know what I mean? It is, it's just hard to buy that it's then going in this direction. And it makes, again, doesn't really make any sense, you know what I mean? Don't really make any sense. So, yeah, I don't know, people. I, I kind of figure that, you know, if, if you are a fan of the... Uh, the typical kind of Romy commy film, you know, then you will probably dig this. You know what? If you like people we hate at the wedding, I think you'll like Meet Cute, right? If you like, um, oh, what's that fracking, um, Boy, I think it's date the dating game or meet me in New York, right? Those films, then I think you will like Meet Me in New York. You know, I, I definitely feel that those ones probably uh, speak to this film the most. So, uh, yes, if if that feels like your bag, people, then uh, yes, a meet cute could very well be for you. Otherwise, I don't know what to say. <laughs> right? It's no eternal sunshine for the spotless mind, which, when you look at that one, right, look at everything that goes down, they don't. You know, that situation is one that's been happening over and over again, but they don't go, I travel in time. Blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's no sun, eternal sunshine, but, you know, as I said, if you like those other kind of rummy commy films, then maybe Me Cute is for you, okay? Next up, people, we have a Netflix joint. It's called Lesson Plan. Okay, people, so I decided to check out Lesson Plan, a new Polish film on Netflix. Okay, so it is directed by Daniel Markowitz, uh, written by Daniel Bernardi. Now, I will say the listing on IMBD is trash. So, yeah, there's no editor, cinematographer, there's no other information. There's a partial cast list. So, we the film is starring Pieter Witkowski, Marcin Boyer, Boisk, Pascal Fischer, 
Zuzana Galois, Roma Gaswoska, Antonia Janawashki, Daniel Namitiko, uh, Nicholas Praise Goda, Jan Wychowski, and Raphael Zawakuka. And the gist of the film, after a teacher tragically dies, his friend, who happens to be a former cop, takes over his old job in hopes of catching the people responsible for his murder. So that's the film, right? What I was expecting was, you know, I mean, just a, a kind of a standard um, action film, right? A bit like Our World. I feel it was Our World. Though that was probably a better film, right? But yeah, there's been a few, right? There was that film of the guy that was the motorbike courier, um, which the name has completely escaped me. But I that's that's what I was thinking of. And we start off with um, our lead character, right? He's a cop and uh, he's, you know, on this mission, right? He, he's on this mission to, like, take down these drug lords. So that's what we have. And in doing all of this, right, in doing all of this, he's, you know, he's blown. His cover is blown. And we then get this whole situation where he has to beat up the baddies and all of that. And I think in that moment, you understand what this is, right? You understand what this film is going to be. Because there's some stuff that happens and you're just like, wait, that doesn't make any sense, right? Not so much, you know what I mean, his cover being blown. But the way it seems, and here's the thing, because there are holes here in this story so you don't really know timelines or anything like that but the way it seems is he's undercover in the city he lives in right undercover in the fucking like exactly where he lives because they're like oh and we know where your wife lives <laughs> and it's just like wait what right because it doesn't take him long, it doesn't seem to take him long to get home, because it's still nighttime, he's still, you know what I mean, he hasn't changed, he hasn't cleaned himself up, so you're just like, that makes no sense, like, now, I don't know, <laughs> like, I'm not a cop, or a secret agent, but I kind of feel they don't put you undercover in the place you live, because people will recognize you. You know what I mean? People would go, hold on, isn't that Steve? Like, I swear that looks like Steve. You know what I mean? It's just like, what is happening? So, yeah, that straight away just makes you go, hmm, okay. They are really playing loose <laughs> with, you know, logic in this one. So he's, you know, he's friend is a teacher, 
who I, it was unclear because I thought they, uh, you know, at one point they said it's his brother, but I don't know. Maybe it's, it's supposed it's his friend, right? Teacher who suspects this drug situation. And it's, it's, you know, those films, right? Or TV shows where the teacher's then like going to track down and you're just like, in what world would or could that ever happen? Right? A history teacher, like being able to track down like all of this stuff is kind of preposterous. You know what I mean? You're just like, what? Doesn't make any sense. Like, how is he going to? And maybe you might see something, but people don't know how to do stealth, right? You might think, be like, oh, yeah, I've watched mad films. I, I, I think I can creep. You can't creep. There's an art to that shit, right? So it's just all of that is crazy. But then we have a scene where they're both talking, right? Now, here's where, I don't, where I'm talking about time frames because we don't know how much time has passed since our cop's wife has been killed. Right now, from what we're watching, it seems like weeks, maybe a month, not long, not long at all. And so when his friends just like, oh, yeah, you need to help me, blah, 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 blah. What, why are you feeling sorry for yourself? It's just a bit like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Are we, are we meant to believe that he doesn't know that his wife has been killed? Right? It's. There's no real acknowledgement to that happening from anyone other than the guy. The cop mentions it an, a couple of times in the film to another teacher. But that's it. Like his friend, his friend's wife, like none of them seem to acknowledge that Homie's lost his wife, right? And there might be a reason why he's feeling all down in the clumps, you know? So that's weird. Then it's like him, but for some reason, besides that, you know, when Netflix throw out clips of things, right? When I'm thinking of what to watch. And for some reason, I thought he joined the school as a janitor, which makes more sense than a history teacher. Because it's just like, what would he know, right? What would he know about teaching to go in and be a teacher? Because, you know, I kind of feel that there's shit you need to know. Like, you might be able to pull it off for, like, I don't know, like, four-year-olds. You know what I'm saying? But when you get to teenagers, I kind of feel there's probably a skill to that shit. Right? And especially if you're teaching them history, you kind of need to know the shit. <laughs> you know, so, like, the, there's so many plot holes in this. There's a piece where, you know, something goes down at the school. An accusation gets made. And the way it's handled is so crazy. Because they put the person accusing in front of the person who they've accused. And you're just like, if, if what is being said happened, there is no way 
that you would put them in vicinity of each. That would be insane. It would be insane. But, like, everyone around has had interactions, right? So you're just like, so straight away, you are making this big assumption, right? You know the school is crazy. People are saying wild things. So it's just like, it's not to say you wouldn't go, okay, we need to investigate. Yeah, you would investigate. But I kind of feel you're not going to just instantly be like, oh, yeah, that that's definitely the type of person that is, right? It's, it's crazy. Obviously, we get this scene where, you know, people being taught like martial arts. And it's always that amusing one in these sort of films when people don't know how to fight and then in the space of weeks know how to fight. You know what I mean? It's that Cobra Christ shit, right? Where suddenly everyone knows how to fight and it's just like, you, there's no way you would learn in that amount of time. Like, <laughs> like this move is shown to someone at the beginning, which, you know, it's one of those ones where you know, okay, so that's going to come into it later, right? And it's just, unless you have practiced that kind of shit, you ain't pulling it off like that. Especially if you've never done that shit. Like, if you are a completely trained fighter, right? If you're an, you know, Israel Adesanya type of cat, right? Kamar Usman, you know what I mean? John Jones, someone like that. Yeah. You could probably pick up a move. A layman, someone that's never done music, ain't picking up shit. Ain't picking it up. It's insane. Right? So, yeah, there's that. There's just these plot holes. But I feel you know where it's going. Right? There's, like, you know that it's not just a simple thing straight away. I think there's a bit maybe halfway through where it's just real evident where this really is going to end up, right? There's no big shocks, right? There's, we, we get kind of a big bad revealed mad early and you're just like, I don't feel this, they're, they're, they're giving us that info like that, that early. So there's something else behind it. And then you're like, oh, I know what's behind it. And yeah, that's what's behind it. So it's just like, okay, okay. <laughs> but what I will say, right? Although the story is, man, is probably thinner than crepe paper, right? If you want just some non-offensive like action flick that you do not have to think about, right? If you want, because this is kind of like, right? If you think of the takeover from a few weeks back, if you think of stuff like Lost Bullet, if you think of stuff like a Jason Statham film, do not really have to think about it, right? That's what this is. That's what um, lesson plan is, people. So, if that's what you're looking for, it's maybe late at night, you, you can't sleep, and you're just like, I need something just to distract the shit out of me. 
this is your film, right? This will do the job for sure, right? So, yeah. If you like a, you know what I mean? A non-offensive foreign action flick, Lesson Plan on Netflix might be the jam for you. If you want something a little more sophisticated and with a real interesting, in-depth, world-building, character-driven story, this ain't it. <laughs> so pick your poison, people. And now we've got a new indie flick. It is called Diamond in the Rough. Okay, people. So the good folks at Signature hit me up with this new flick, Diamonds in the Rough, right? Um, it is the new film. Um, yeah, Diamond in the Rough. Should I say not diamonds? It's a new film from Jeanette Goudoy, right? Which is actually her feature debut. You know, she's done some shorts. She's done a documentary. It's her first feature flick, right? It is written by Grace Church, Crystal Ferrario, and James Sommers. Uh, the film is produced by um, Godot, uh, Griffin Johnson, McKenna Marshall, Nick Phillips, Adam Westcote, and line produced by Rebecca G. Stone. Music is Lauren Kuljak. Cinematography is Megan Stacy. Christine McPherson edits the piece. Dominica Pozern and Catalin Well handle casting. Production design is Candy Gutierrez. Rose Westerman is art direction. Set decoration is Ashley Medrano. Costume design, Samantha Kuster. Hair and makeup, we got Carol Choi, um, Denise Gutierrez, and Desiree Irving. Our cast. Well, we have got Samantha Boscarino as Arena Alvarez. Okay. Um, hmm. I, because I don't under now she's got her now she calls it her Theo, right? Which I'm not really sure what that is. <laughs> I'm not like no, I'm not really sure what that is. And I think um that he is played by Carlos. La Samara, Tio Jorge, I think that's him, right? But, boy, yeah, listings are terrible, people. Um, her friend is Christina, who is played by Natasha Ben Beman. Um, 
Then there's Skylar Harrison. Her nemesis, played by Catelyn Carver. Um, Carl Harrison, her husband, is played by Andy Cohen. Um, you've got her old school friend, right? Um, Rebecca, who's played by Essence Renee. Then there is Jenny, um, played by Christine Lee. Now, they are buddies of Skylar to an extent, right? There is um, Stella Archibald, right? Uh, member of the um, golf club, played by Carolyn Hennessy. Um, we have got... Doo -doo 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 -doo. Oh, who else is there? Um, I guess we have got... Damien, played by Christian A. Pierce. Yes. Um, there's Mike, played by Rizwan Manji. So he owns the big media company. Um, we have got Jordan, played by Peter Karras. Um, there is Dan, played by Pat Finn. Who I was like, I swear I recognize that dude, but I couldn't put my finger on it. And then it was just like, oh, that's here. And then there's Jordan. Um, no, sorry, Jason, played by Griffin Johnson. Okay, that's mainly it. Um, yeah. Oh, Richard. Richard, the um, president of the golf club, played by Wayne Wilderson. Right, And the gist of the flick is this. After the death of her parents, Ariana Alvarez is lost and can't hold down a job because corporate life is so not her. To help her navigate post-college life, her doting Tio Jorge gets her a summer membership at his swanky country club and challenges her to make some friends fast. But Ariana soon learns that life among the wealthy and golf-obsessed is a lot like being back in high school. Clicks abound, mean girls are everywhere, and only the richest kids get to call the shots. Will the country club change Ariana, or will it be the other way around? Bum, bum, bum. Now. Here's the thing, right? So, in other places, right, this is being sold as Happy Gilmore meets Mean Girls, which, yeah, you know, you can kind of understand why they're saying that. Is it those films? Hmm, I'm not sure. Right, now, what this is, is like kind of the modern take of Right, a um a school flick, a bit like Do Revenge from a, a month or so ago. Remember that one on Netflix? Um, so yeah, th it, this it, it's got a similar thing, right? Because we've got 
you know, this generation's of high school kids. You know, they've got TikTok, you know, all of that jazz pronouns and all of that. So it's all up in there, you know. And we have that concept of the poor kid having to acclimatize to this wealthy situation, right? Fish out of water type of shit. The thing being, it seems that Ariana is from money herself, right? So there's, there's scenarios that make no sense, right? Like at the beginning, we have her at a job interview. And the job interview is going well. But there's a bit, and this is at the very, this is no spoiler. It's at the very beginning of the film, people literally in the first minute or so, she answers her phone, right? Answers her phone in the interview and is like, I'm trending. And it's just like, no one's doing that, right? You know, if you're in an interview, you're turning your fucking phone off, right? It just made no sense. Like, Look, there's plenty of things you could have done for, to have her go, um, she's not getting the job, right? Or she sucks it into it. But to have someone answer their phone and be like, oh, I'm trending on YouTube or TikTok or whatever the fuck it was, I forget. That, kind of weird. Kind of weird, right? Now, the other big thing, as I said, look, her, her, her T.O., Mad money, right? Which kind of makes you think that her parents must be kind of... Because when you see the house she's living in and just all of this, it's, she's not poor, right? She's not poor. Real nice clothes, right? Which there is a bit where she's like, I don't know where to shop. And you're just like... It's not like you're walking around in rags. So... That made no sense, right? But yeah, her, like to join this golf club, this country club, is serious change. So the fact that he can then give her this, you know, membership, it was just like, you ain't poor, <laughs> right? So then having her in this situation, you're a bit like, but it's not the the poor against the rich, you know, it's rich on rich crime here. <laughs> That's that's what it is, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, uh, you know, I'm going to strike you with my glove, you fiend, <laughs> right? It's one of them ones, man. So the, the then notion, the complete notion of this film is blown out the water, right? It's just blown out the water. And you have these girls, like, I think one of the big things for me here there is no real, like, there's no story behind what's going down, right? The reasoning and all of that, because you look at it and you think, okay, so Skylar's meant to be, like, the big, you know, top dog of this place. But why would Rebecca and Jenny be hanging out with her? 
that's the big thing because they don't seem like they're dumb. So you're just like, why are they hanging out with her? Like, that makes no sense. Like, give us a reason here. Because especially when you know the background of Skylar, so it's just like, I mean, it makes no makes no sense that she would be running the roost over these girls, right? So there's that situation. You have... You know, it's one of these ones where, like, that you know, at this country club, there's a, a a men only lounge, and men can only men are allowed to do this stuff, but girls aren't, and all of that kind of jazz. And then you have this one girl being like, "No, I'm not happy with that," and the others might go, "Yeah, you know, we don't like it either." But it's just, a, and you're just like, "Are you telling me that no one else has tried?" Right? It's just this weird thing of, oh, yeah, no, everyone else was just happy to go with this until, which, you know, like, if you're placing it in today, right, come on, look how people are so ready to complain. <gasps> you didn't use my pronoun. You didn't do, so you're telling me that they would just be like, oh, yeah, I'm happy to go over here with all the other girls. It'd be like, no, 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 we're striking until you change there, right? If you're going to make it set in this time, right, and go with all that, you got to go with how shit be, right? And that's the weird thing about this film is they want to go, yes, we're up to date, but we're going to treat it like it was you know, 10 or so years ago. So it's a bit weird in that context, you know. We then, like, everything is kind of, it's going like a typical teen movie. And I will say, right, even though with all of these issues with the script and story and all of that kind of jazz, it is probably one of the better versions of this type of story, right? There are maybe less plot problems than Do Revenge, right? Because Do Revenge had all the, like the twists and stuff in it, which then made no sense with then how are they hanging? How are they doing that? If that's a, you know, there's none of that in this. It's, it is pretty straightforward. There are some weird things though, because it's just like staff aren't meant to fraternize with the um, members, right? Or they lose their job. So, are you really going to put a staff in that situation and be pissed that they are like, I need, I need my job, right? There, there, there's this stuff. And when you kind of, there's, you don't, again, you don't know if these staff are rich or what, what's their deal. Now, there is a member mention of scholarship, right? So you're under the assumption they ain't got a load of a load of cash. So it's like, how would you put their job in jeopardy, right? When everything is on an assumption, right? It's all on an assumption. So it's just like, it's baffling how they're just not, nah, what the fuck are you talking? We're talking. We're being pleasant, right? What? 
So there's not that. So that's all weird. And then they throw this thing out there, right? Because you know where this film is going. You know what I mean? You know there's going to be this big showdown, right? And you have this, you know, you have this thing and you're like, ah, they're going to do that, right? They're going to do that. And you're thinking, I hope they don't do that because there's no indication of. And then they do it and they pull this thing out and be like, oh, blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, what are you doing? Right? It feels so lazy because there is no indication, right? There's no real indication of this thing. Now, you could go, oh, there's a picture. You, you No, that's not enough to be, because anyone can, you know, but it's like to say then that person is a bit much. It's a mad deuce machina. You know what I mean? Just dropped in to save the day. It's just like, oi. And then at the end, when they all wrap it up with the way they wrap it up was a little bit insane. Because there is, in a normal situation, you'd just be like, yo, we cool. I ain't gonna fuck with you. You don't fuck with me. Right? That would be fine. To end it the way they ended it is just like, if you're saying that is the thing, then that could have happened without any of the other shit, right? It's one of them ones. So that's a little crazy. One of the weirdest moments of this film, though, was they do some jujitsu, right? They do some jujitsu. Now, some of the shit they, t- they, they show you ain't, is not jujitsu. Right. Then some then the other stuff is just like you're you're not just doing that in your first fucking lesson. You're not doing that because it's dangerous. You can break stuff, right? So it's just you're just watching it and just like, what uh, why? <laughs> if you're gonna say jujitsu, at least just do it properly. Do it properly. Don't don't do this. This is a mess. It's insane. (laughs) Boy, oh boy, people. Boy, oh boy. But here's the jam. If, right, if you like that kind of teen craziness, right? So um, Willow, Rebel Wilson had that film, senior year, I think it was, right? So if you like a senior year, if you like a do revenge, if you like a mean girls type of flick, Right, if that's your jam, then people, I would probably say Diamond in the Rough is something you might enjoy. Right, but do not expect a sophisticated flick because it's not that. What the one big thing though was, it's nice to see different representation in films, right? That was. That was something, right? It's a, a bit like Do Revenge. It, 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 even though these films are very flawed, it is nice to see more representation and be like, all right, so, you know, us ethnics can make shit films too. <laughs> no, hey, it might not be shit for you. And I'm not saying it's shit, but just, you know, 
right? It's it's very uncomplicated. But yeah, it's out now, people, on all your favorite VODs. So um, if it sounds like your kind of thing, diamond in the rough, baby. And we're gonna bring it home with the new Disney Plus special presentation. It's the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. Okay, people. So I finally checked out the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special and God damn, I am very pleased that I did, right? So it was written and directed by James Gunn. Um, it is produced by David J. Grant and Lars P. Wimver. Executive produced by Brad Winterbaum, Sarah Smith, Simon Hatt. Uh, Louise de Esputa, Victoria Alonso, James Gunn, and Kevin Feige. Music is from John Murphy. Henry Braham handles cinematography. Casting was Sarah Finn. Becky Mickle handled production design. Art direction is Samantha Avila. Brittany Heights and David Scott. Set decoration was from Rosemary Brandenburg. Costume design is Judiana Makoski. Um, and our cast. Well, right, we've got the Guardians, right? So we've got um obviously Chris Pratt, Peter Quill. AKA Star Lord. Bradley Cooper voices Rocket. Uh, we've got, um, what's his name? Friggin' Vin Diesel voices Groot, right? Um, there is Maria Bakalova voices Cosmo the Dog. Um, Dave Batista is Drac. And Pom Clementif is Mantis. Michael Rooker voices Yondo. Um, Karen Gillan is Nebula. Sean Gunn is Kraglin. Um, we've got, well, it's uh, Yonder's there because at the beginning there's a little cartoon kind of sequence. And we've got Yonder and a young Peter played by Luke. Clean, so he voices that. Um, we have got, I mean, there's a load of people in there. Um, you know, what I mean, like residents of nowhere and all of that kind of jazz. I mean, uh, one other big thing is you've got um, Kyra Sedwick. Plays a bartender. Um, we have got the band, the... Oh, frack. 
What is the band called? Um, the old set 97s. The old 97s. Yes. So that's Rhett Miller, Murray Hammond, Ken Betha, and Philip Peoples. They, so they play an alien band on Nowhere. Uh, yeah. So that's probably, I'd say that's the main group, as it were. Uh, yeah, I think so. Now, the gist of, right, holiday special, the Guardians, who are on a mission to make Christmas unforgettable for Quill, head to Earth in search of the perfect present. Dum, dum, dum. And the perfect present is hilarious. It's fucking hilarious. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I have to say, right? Now, the uh, Werewolf by Night, Werewolf by Night, right? That was awesome. And you, you know what I mean? It, it, you definitely felt that, okay, right? The Guardians one should be great, right? Because it's you knew it was directed by Gunn. And, like, the, when you see the production level of Werewolf, you're just like, oh, they ain't playing with these things, right? So the big thing with the um, the Guardian special, it was made while they were making Volume 3. You know what I mean? That's, a, that's why it looks so good, right? We got all the people in the makeup and just, that's a lot of production. You know what I mean? It's a lot of production that goes into it. So it's just like, it was able to be that good. And we get the, the animated parts, which were, which were nice. You know what I mean? And it is a story about Christmas, right? The soul, what Christmas is actually meant to be. You know what I mean? Like thinking of others, Right? Just bringing cheer to everyone. Just that kind of jazz. It's not really the present thing, you know? And on paper, I should hate the fuck out. Like, I don't like Christmas. Well, I don't... Mm, I mean, it's not that I don't like Christmas. I just feel it's, it can be full of shit, right? Spend it with the right people, it's a different thing. You feel me? But, yeah, on paper, I, I kind of feel that probably this wouldn't be for me. But, yo, it's only 45 minutes. But the story is great. The story is gay. The, the special guest that we have in this <sighs> works so well. Just what it works so like you think, oh no. Like when I saw the name, right? And and saw Homie was in it, I was a bit like, oh, is this gonna be like hokey? Oh, this was so much fun. This really was probably one of the best Christmas things I've watched. It really was. You know what I mean? It, 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 it just the charm, the soul everything right it, it's a, got a lot of focus on Drax and Mantis as um you know what I mean they're, they're driving this story and that chemistry 
It's so fucking funny. It's so fun. As Drax is all deadpan and Mantis is all innocent and just like, oh. And then the crazy laugh. It, it's just, oh my gosh. It was, <laughs> it was a, Steve. <laughs> oh my God. Yo, it is, it's great. Oh my gosh, it is so fucking great. It's just, it just works. Everyone gets a little play in it, you know? So everyone gets a little time and it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel throwaway, right? It feels like this complete story, you know, that just works, works on all levels. It, you know, the length, it just fits perfectly. You know what I mean? It doesn't seem rushed. It doesn't seem, you know, stretched out. It, it, it's just this fun little story with a lovely little message. You know, songs. There's songs in here. I wasn't expecting that. But catchy as a motherfucker, right? Catchy as a motherfucker, right? They do throw in the pokes. But they, they throw in the Wombat's Christmas one and the Smashing Pumpkins one. So it's just, yeah. It's just like you just don't think it's going to work and it works. Oh, my gosh, it works so well. You know, and we learn the actors aren't all cunts. <laughs> I may have paraphrased that slightly, but you know what I mean? <laughs> Yo, if you like Guardians Volume 1 and 2, you're looking forward to Volumes 3, right? Because Gunner said that this is his Trojan horse, right? He's able to parlay certain information. So he doesn't then have to go all over it again for volume three, right? But if, yeah, if you like those, if you really enjoyed Werewolf by Night, then, yo, this friggin' holiday special is just going to fill you with straight, pure, unadated happiness. Because I was just smiling. I was smiling like a motherfucker all the way through this. It, it's that good. It's a, like great acting, great comic timing. That's a bit, it's funny, right? But not hokey funny, right? Not forced laughs. This is straight funny. There's just a joy to this, people. Yeah, it really is. So, yo. Yeah, if you want some of this in your life, people, yeah, go get you some holiday special Guardian style. Okay, people, so we're coming to a close on another episode. But before we do, let's take a look at a little bit of film news. Not a lot this week, but you know, right? So um, there's a few articles, right, talking about how Amazon are committing a 
billion, a billion dollars to、um, producing films for the cinema, right? A billion a year. That's what they're saying, right? Which you know they reckon they're doing. See, between eight and fifteen, right? There's conflicting numbers out there. This isn't much of a surprise, though, right? I don't know why people are like, "Yo, this is crazy." Like, they, <laughs> you know what I mean? They spent what eight point four five billion on picking up MGM. So obviously, they were gonna be putting things in the fucking cinema. You know what I mean? You're not gonna buy MGM and just put. Everything on the fucking streamer—that's ludicrous. So yeah, it's not a shock, people. But you know, it seemed to make news, right? Now the shit that I'm really interested in. So Chag, Chag, Chad, Stuck, Stuckhelsky, I think. Right, he recently、um, talked to Empire and talked about. Obviously, John Wick Four, because that's dropping next year in like twenty fourth of March, right?、Uh, and he's saying that the scale has got even bigger, right? So crazier fights, you know, more locations, right? It's been,、um, you know, they we're gonna see it in Paris. Right, we're gonna see it in Berlin, Aquaba, Tokyo, and Osaka. Right, so yeah, they they're going mad global with this one. You know what I mean? So yeah, bigger, and it sounds like right. They're really mixing things up. Here's a little quote. Right, it gets a little scary after the third one. Because now we have a formula that works, but you have to have to throw, yeah, look. But you have to throw caution to the wind and say, "Fuck it, we're not doing that again." So now on number four, we have multiple storylines. The movie feels different. It feels more epic. So, um, boy, if you weren't looking forward to John Wick before, oh, oh, oh. Just gets even more interesting, right? Now, recently, you know, the、um, director to Blade had to step away because of、um, uh, schedules, schedule conflicts, and all of that kind of jazz, right?、Um, now, it was like, oh, what does this mean, right? Because they they had a date set. Had a date set for when this was meant to be hitting cinemas, right? The sixth of September, twenty twenty-four. It looks like that should still be a thing because Yana Demange has just come on board as the new director, right? So、um, that is fire, right?、Um, Michael Starbury is also going to be writing a new script, so you know what I mean. It's not just、um, 
the man just come on and he's just gonna like you know what i mean it looks like they're really gonna rework things and so it will feel like their thing you feel me so um yeah very intrigued especially because Damange directed the pilot of Lovecraft Country and Lovecraft Lovecraft Country was fire oh man it was so fucking great so yeah I'm about this people I'm about this you know right and um Supposedly, also directed. Supposedly, no, he definitely did. He directed seventy-one and White Boy Rich. I don't believe I've seen either, but you know what I mean. Great news. Now, I feel one of the biggest fucking stories, right, to hit this week is the fact that all change at Disney. You know what I mean? Yo, Bob. Chapek is done and in step in step motherfucking Bob Iger Bobby is back Woo! the house of mouse is uh yeah they could be going back to them days when everything was rocking now to be honest I really see it, it didn't I don't think that everything was going crazy over there but I think, you know, there's definitely been some weird things, right? And, uh, yeah, supposedly a load of people at Disney were just not happy with the way things were running, right? It's it's like, uh, yeah, it's interesting, man. It, it's really interesting. So it seems like Chappick wanted to just basically kind of focus on streaming and that to a little bit to the detriment of the theme parks the cinema and just the uh, creativity of everyone involved right you had the situation with uh, Scarlett Johansson even though I didn't think that was crazy crazy right but yeah shit went down and um Old Bob has come in to write the shit. Seems like, uh, yeah, he, he wasn't enjoying the golf course, right? So he's back to work. Now, they say that he's going to be tied in for at least two years with the option to um, stick around or, you know what I mean, step away again, right? But, yeah, it, it sounds like... He is really, you know, looking to make changes, right? He's definitely putting the focus back on creativity. You know what I mean? So, yo, this is interesting as a motherfucker. You know what I mean? Hey, I'm about it, man. I'm about it. Let's see what the fuck happens. You know what I mean? But, yeah. That's it for this week. Um, I think next week is at least a two-parter, right? I believe. But, yeah, until next time, people, enjoy your cinema watching. All right? Peace.